I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your 2-8 talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us and give us a call on the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120, which you can also text or leave a message on if we are not broadcasting live anytime during the day or night. Please like and subscribe on all of the social media platforms that you visit. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, comment, and spread the word far and wide because big tech algorithms like to keep good content, especially pertaining to the Second Amendment, hidden and off line, so to speak. So uh, (laughs) all the news that's been coming out about uh, court battles and big tech censors and everything else, and uh, ironically, a federal court ruled that the federal government cannot request private citizens be censored on big tech. And guess what? They lost, and the federal government is appealing the decision. (laughs) Let that sink in for a minute. The federal government is appealing the decision from a federal court that says they cannot censor content on social media. Unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, because guess what? That's unconstitutional if you do that. Uh, to f- have the federal government backdoor in on social media platforms and say, hey, uh, Joe Schmo made a comment. Make sure you take that down. Roger, we're already on it. And that's how it worked. Look up the Twitter files. Look up, you know, big tech censorship by federal government. And it's unbelievable that they can't understand how they got struck down in a federal court. And they want to appeal that decision so they can silence you. After all, they formed that whole Ministry of Truth, uh, Nina Jankowitz last summer with, um, you know, that, what was it, the Department of Disinformation or something like that. Uh, they all but called it the Ministry of Truth. It was it was actually pretty funny and comical if it weren't downright criminal and sad. But anyway, the bottom line is we only get exposed when you like, comment, subscribe, share, and Uh, repost our content. So hopefully you'll do your part to spread the message of freedom far and wide on hostile in hostile territory. Uh, I've started doing the same with uh, other people who try to restrict our freedoms accounts. Um, 
namely Michael S. Day, Stoneham legislator in Massachusetts, who is the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, who introduced HD 4420, which now has about 30 co-sponsors. So 30 politicians um, are willing to violate their oath of office and sign on to an unconstitutional bill that a self-proclaimed civil rights advocate and uh, an advocate of civil liberties issues in the Boston Bar Association is ready to go in to the chamber, the House chamber, and violate their oath of office, which, ironically, if you look up what your civil rights are, just Google it. Go Google civil rights, and you'll land on a .gov page which says that any human right which is protected by the Constitution of the United States is a civil right. And yet, Michael Day would lead you to believe that he is one of the leading advocates of civil rights and civil liberties issues in the Boston Bar Association. Unbelievable. And he is willing to walk all over your civil right of the right to keep and bear arms. When you call call his office like I did, I spoke to Patrick, one of his aides, and he said, I'm sorry you feel that way, but we have a difference of opinion. I, I said, Patrick, I'm not sure who you are, what you do, how old you are, what your life aspirations are. But this has nothing to do with feelings or difference of opinion. It doesn't have anything to do with opinion, and it doesn't have anything to do with my feelings. What this has to do with is my right to keep and bear arms, which is enumerated in the Constitution. It's number two, in case you're not keeping track and keeping score and reading this stuff at home. I'll fill you in. And as one of the leading civil rights attorneys in Boston or in Middlesex County and practicing law at Mintz Levin for 10 years, you should know that One of the civil rights protected under the Constitution is the right to keep and bear arms, and that one has a special carve-out in it. It says, shall not be infringed. Also, as an astute student of the law, you should be able to read the marching orders that came down from NYSERPA v. Bruin last June, which basically gave you the paint-by-number the bulleted step-by-step process of how to apply gun control law in light of Supreme Court decisions. Mark Smith from the Four Boxes Diner came on the show a few weeks ago and expertly outlined this and basically said that NYSERPA v. Bruin basically um, is a reaffirmation of the good case law of the Heller decision from 15 years ago, which we already knew. But the problem is the the inferior courts, and I love how he put that, that's what the Constitution says. 
that inferior courts didn't apply Heller law to state and federal laws that were on the books or passed post-Heller. They still used the interest balancing approach. They still used a two-step intermediate scrutiny. And Clarence Thomas pointed out after he affirmed Heller as good case law and then said the only thing the courts can do is apply a one-step of a balancing approach, which is the text of the Constitution, the history of the Constitution, and the tradition at the time of ratification in 1791. Anything else is one step too many. And so the Second Amendment is not a second-class right. We need to remind legislators that they have no constitutional authority to restrict it, to infringe upon it, and to restrict your right to keep and bear arms. It's outside of their purview. They have no authority to do it. Therefore, we will not comply with unconstitutional laws. If you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, which should, should be automatic, but it's not, get our Utah 36 state concealed carry class. You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license at the end of the class. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link to book the class today. I'm Toby Leary. We will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. We have a poll which you can vote in if you go over to rapidfireradio.us or go to the Twitter page, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. While you're there, like, comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, but last week's poll question was, what is the most shocking part of the proposed HD 4420? And it was that it bans semi-automatics, carry on private property only, under 15 cannot shoot, and extensive training requirement. So the extensive training requirement rounded out at 3.6%, under 15 can't shoot was at 7.1%, carry on private property only uh, was 42.9%, and bans most semi-autos came in for the win at 46.4%. This week's poll question is, what do you think 
is the most effective way to reach out to representatives about HD 4420. A phone call, an email, a social comment, or a letter. Uh, So go ahead and vote in our poll right now. It's 50-50 phone call and email. Uh, Social comment and a letter are coming in at 0% right now. But um, I would say do all four. But since that's not a choice, I'm going to go with, I think a social media comment or post might be the most effective. I'm not trying to abdicate and and uh, about writing a letter and making a phone call. I think it's a four-pronged ap- approach. Write a letter, send an email, make a phone call or four, and troll social media and comment. Because one thing about the social media posts is that you're not only directly responding to the people who are trying to infringe upon your rights, but all of your followers will see it, all of their followers will see it, and if it's a good comment, your followers or friends or people that don't follow you or whatever but see the comment might even upvote it or, or repost it or retweet it, whichever the case is, or like your comment. So I think it has a greater uh, reach than just the single phone call, the single email, or the single letter that you send. And really, in that case, only the aide is reading it that works in the office. So they know what to do with that, right? They put it in a category of pro or against or whatever, and it goes into a bin, never to be seen again. So I'm really on this kick now where... Um, if you're active on Twitter, that's where most, um, I would say, politicians are most active. But certainly their Facebook and Instagram accounts would be a worthy place to comment and subscribe and, and link uh, good facts to and, and repost. Um, I actually had a couple of uh, interesting interactions on uh, Michael Day's page himself. And... One was he wrote that um, he uh, wanted to show cognitive dissidence to his children, so he played for them the the song uh, "Excitable Boy" by Warren Zephon. Uh, sorry, lyrical dissonance, not cognitive dissonance. Uh, he used w- one of, I'm reading it verbatim here, I used one of Warren Zephon's best to introduce the kids to lyrical dissonance this morning. Responses from the older two, Connor, yeah, it's like chloroform girl, Ryan, it's pumped up kicks and not sure whether to be proud or concerned. So I just took this simple post and I retweeted it with a comment that said, um, I said, uh, well, Michael, maybe you should have introduced them instead of Excitable Boy to send lawyers guns and money because of the abomination of HD 4420 that you introduced to the mass legislature. Um, so, you know, that's just one way that any of our viewers, and I got lots of uh, notifications that people saw that and retweeted it and whatnot. So um, that's one of the ways that People can use social media in an effective way. Then I saw, uh, I believe it was uh, Representative Mariano's uh, posts that basically uh, just had him out on the street posing for a picture with one of his congressional aides that was moving on. And and uh, I, 
I reposted something to that as well. And so basically all I'm saying is comment and subscribe to their pages and then make a well thought out response to some of the the nonsense that they're putting out there on their social media panel uh, pages. I've also copied um, Karen Spelanka on that, the Senate president, uh, Representative Ron Mariano, uh, the Senate, I mean, so, excuse me, the House, uh, the House uh, Speaker of the House. And so, in other words, there's ample opportunity if you're going to just spend an hour doing something. Yes, call, write a letter, email, and then go on, go on the social media. I think it's, you know, really time well spent. Also, if you see something good out there, retweet it, repost it, and copy all them on on such a thing. So I saw the Where PD released a phenomenal uh, letter opposing HD 4423, uh, excuse me, 4420. And so I just retweeted that and I said, you know, more of this, please. And also the Chiefs Association, the Chief of Police Association, released a 17-page statement of their opposition. You can find that on Gun Owners Action League's website. Um, So that's really good news. Uh, The dominoes are starting to fall. And from what I hear, they had two closed-door sessions, Tuesday and Monday, um, where they're not even trying to hide the fact that they're trying to get this passed in short amount of time without public input and under the cover of darkness, for lack of a better analogy, um, there really there's zero transparency to the whole process. I've heard that they're even willing to suspend the House rules on a public hearing, so they're willing to do this and pass it without even getting your input from the public. And basically, because uh, one of the rules that the House passed was that they can suspend the rules, so they're going to suspend the House rule on public hearing and just pass this law, this abomination uh, of unconstitutional uh, infringement on your right to keep and bear arms. And they know it's unconstitutional. They know that's why it has to be done under the cover of darkness. That's why they know they have to act quickly before people wake up and figure out what's actually in this bill since they've already lost the support of the state police uh, chief of police association i heard that the state police were pretty upset about it because no one asked them for their input in the entire process um the bottom line is there's very little support from this from their usual uh places of support other than the gun grabbing groups which probably are the ones that actually wrote this bill if you ask me like um i think that uh the the fact that this bill came out and it was 141 pages uh, right after the listening tour ended proves to me the framework of this bill was already written, which also proves that Michael Day was lying when he said that there's nothing on the table, there's no agenda here, this is a listening tour, just basically trying to figure out where the laws are bad, where the laws are good, and you know reconcile that in a, um, in a way that doesn't encumber the citizens and 
gets in line with Bruin. Well, none of that happened. The overwhelming sentiment from the listening tour was, hey, back off your constitutional infringements of peaceable citizens in your state and go after the violent criminal. Go after the fentanyl traffickers. Go after the drug dealers. Go after the career criminals. Go after the um, revolving door justice system. Start holding people accountable for their actions. Put them in jail. Get them off the street. And instead, after 11 sessions of that, they roll out this omnibus gunpocalypse 2023 bill, The um, what the Gun Owners Action League likes to call the... Uh, the Lawful Citizens Imprisonment Act, because that's basically what it is. And uh, it basically points a loaded gun at all masked citizens who are gun owners or who wish to be a gun owner, because it is impossible to uh, comply with this law, definitely. Um, it absolutely would be impossible uh, to, to comply with this if you're an existing gun owner in the state. The the bottom line is you would never in a million years be able to, nor should you, frankly. And let me just say this. I've had a lot of people calling the shop wanting to know what the status is. Um, and my, my answer at this point is the status is they are trying to push it through, but they didn't expect the amount of pushback they're getting. And that's from the people who are finally waking up to what's in this thing. Most pe- The way that they're uh, selling this in the media is, oh, this is about ghost guns. No, it, it really isn't. That's, a, that's one of the 75 sections of this is, quote unquote, unserialized firearms or homemade firearms, which are in our nation's tradition, history. Uh, of doing since before we were a country Um, but more on this on the other side make sure you guys take a private lesson getting one-on-one instruction tailored to you is really important we have lessons for pistol rifle and shotgun make sure you come in you can test out other guns book an appointment now with glenn or nicole at capegunworks.com slash privates we'll also have some small group lessons coming up and uh, we will be right back don't go anywhere Hard to leave shots like these to chance. Now you never have to compromise performance again. Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth hits ducks and upland birds with 9.6 gram per cubic centimeter pellets sourced from Heavy Shot. 22% denser than steel, more energy downrange. Launched by the Flight Control Flex Wad, Heavy Bismuth patterns consistently and is safe in all shotguns. Loaded in the USA by Federal Ammunition. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, a weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, or self-defense. And you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120, if you want to be on the show. Leave a message or send us a text, and we will read it on the air. This week's winner is Dennis. Look for an email from us. You won the Cape Gunworks t-shirt, the one that I am rocking right now, which is Honest Abe in Tactical Kit, and it says the Second Amendment shall not be infringed. 
So make sure you go to rapidfireradio.us to sign up and win. And this week's gift is an awesome Cape Gunworks gun belt. It's got the gun Cape Gunworks logo on it. It's printed on the inside, Cape Gunworks. And it is a heavy-duty leather belt, which is our uh, first generation. We're out with the second generation of this belt right now out on the list. So um, I have one of these to give away. It's a really, really nice thick leather belt locally made uh, by some incredible artisans. And the 2.0 belt is really amazing. It is actually patented and uh, has a cool second layer of... uh, leather on the inside that tilts the belt towards your body so when you put a holster on it's uh it's not going to be splaying out off your body so but this one the 1.0 which is still a phenomenal belt you can wear it with uh if you're dressing up uh going out to eat going to business meetings whatever you want to do uh it is a beautiful brown leather belt with a brass buckle and uh it's got the cgw logo on it so it's a collector item there you go I just made that up. But go to rapidfireradio.us to sign up and win. Scroll down and enter the contest. We'll pull the winner on next week's show. This week's discount code is, again, HD4420. So we're trying to make that mantra worm into your brain through your ear hole and uh, that you would call and do something that'll uh, make a difference because the dominoes are starting to fall. All right. So a couple quick things. Um, I just said I'm getting a lot of calls on uh, what the status of the bill is. And they had two days of closed door hearings. Uh, They're trying to whip up support. There's already over 30 sponsors of the bill. And uh, they're doing this under the cover of darkness. They're thinking about suspending the public hearing uh, on this and just push it through. Well, everyone's at the beach or on vacation and not paying attention. The other thing I'm seeing that is a little bit disheartening for me, because right now I feel like I'm the idiot on the hill dancing. And if you've never seen the video on how to start a movement, please Google that so you know what that reference is in reference to. Um, But the bottom line is I've had several people come in the shop and say they're waiting now to buy that gun that they've always wanted to see what happens with this bill. You've already lost. You've already lost, and basically you're on their side. That's the way I see it. If you're willing to wait to see what happens so that you can comply with this unconstitutional law, geez, you might as well just turn them in now, guys. That's the way I see it. Um because we've lost if that's the sentiment and i get it it's a little bit of stockholm syndrome we have been conditioned in the last 40 to 50 years to comply with unconstitutional law that's the way i see it we have been complying with unconstitutional law for the past 50 years in this state in this country and now more unconstitutional law is being teed up and getting ready to be served uh, at the threat of government incarceration by government firearms, if necessary. And frankly, they're doing the work of King George III when he told the Redcoats to go 
up to Concord and Lexington and get the guns, get the powder, get the shot from the colonists. Because that's what happened, right? They were said they said they've already dumped the tea in the harbor. They already have made a big display of you know rebellion here, and we got to put an end to this rebellion. The problem is they have guns, so go ahead and march on up there, and uh, let's get the guns from them. All right, go ahead, guys. And the rest is history. That produced the greatest country in the world's history, the United States of America, and I will always maintain that we are the greatest country in the history of mankind. The bottom line is, if the colonists all said, oh, you you say I can't have this quote-unquote ghost gun, this unserialized homemade firearm that I bought to hunt and to protect my family from tyranny and from uh, evil actors who would wish to harm my family, here you go. Thanks for coming. Thanks for taking my property without any due process. If you were willing to do that, we would not have a country. And now, 200 and something odd years later, the state of Massachusetts is trying to eviscerate your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And you are waiting to see what happens so that you can may or may not buy the newest gun. The second thing I've heard people say is, so... Here's my gun that I've made compliant to unconstitutional laws. And I'm not excluding myself from this. I have included myself in that. We have peacefully complied with unconstitutional laws, hoping that the court system would work it out. We saw Warman v. Healy go all the way to the Supreme Court. Hundreds of thousands of dollars spent only to have the Supreme Court say, yeah, Try again later, folks. And basically, that's where we were left with our unconstitutional laws in this state. So now we're all licking our wounds. We're, we're seeing uh, where our hope in the court system has left us. We've been given a great gift in the Nyserpa v. Bruin case last June. It was the first landmark Supreme Court case to in 15, well, in 12 years or so of our country. Uh, the last 12 years, and now people are also saying, well, I'm going to take this compliant gun, and if this passes, I'm going to send it to my buddy in New Hampshire, or I'll ship it to my brother in Vermont, or I'll ship it to my friend in North Carolina. Again, they win. Why would you do that? Now, let me put an asterisk here. I get that we have more to lose than the criminal element who is a ticking time bomb and it's just a matter of time before they are locked up or arrested or whatever and probably released on the streets again to reoffend. But people like you and I who are responsible, peaceful citizens of Massachusetts that have jobs and families and houses and cars and money in the bank if or a 401k or, or a real property, we have a lot to lose. So... I understand not wanting to go through that process. However, if we all band together, all 600 and something thousand gun owners in this state and say, not one more inch. No, this is a line in the sand moment. We will not comply. Stack up and try. They have a problem on their hands. 
already they have police departments that aren't willing to, that don't agree with this, and maybe they'll finally do what other states' police departments and sheriff's departments have done and say, not only is it unenforceable, but we would not enforce it because it's unconstitutional. So maybe they'll get the courage they need after witnessing the citizenry of this state where our freedom was founded, finally getting the courage to say, no, you're not going to take my guns. I'm not going to comply with unconstitutional laws. And guess what? Call their bluff. Because right now, we've all been living under this Maura Healy edict since 2016, which we all know is unconstitutional. Heller decision 15 years ago said that the federal government or the government cannot categorically ban firearms. Period. Guns that are in common and ordinary use cannot be banned. But yet we've been living under a ban that is a categorical ban of common and ordinary guns that are in common and ordinary use. And we've gone along with it because of the fear of being put in a government cage or being arrested and having our rights stripped away. But if we all unite and we start a movement and say, nope, and we are not only unafraid to say it, but we will not just be sneaky and do it under the cover of darkness, but we will have what is known as civil disobedience. So this is where we're not just trying to be sneaky, where our deeds are, you know, we're trying to hide stuff. We're burying the guns in the backyard. They're all lost in the quote-unquote boating accident. No, we're openly saying we will not be complying with this, uh, not happening. And it, the other side of the coin is if the 600 and something gun dealers in Massachusetts would do the same and say, guys, we're not going to comply anymore. This is not something we should have complied with in the first place, but we decided to do it because we're peaceful citizens and because we believe that being in business was more important than getting shut down and being right. But now you're forcing our hand because you are going to put us out of business. So all 600 and something gun dealers in this state, unless you're in the business of selling over-under shotguns, pump-action shotguns, and bolt-action rifles, which I know the metrics of that, you cannot stay in business and sell those three categories. You just can't do it. And if you do, you're going to be a one-man band out there and you're not going to be, uh, you might be the only gun store in the state left if you do that. But at what price have you just paid to sell out and comply with this nonsense? They will put you out of business eventually. You'll just be, everyone else will be first and you'll just be next. So when good people do nothing, evil prevails. If you're hearing this and you don't have your unconstitutional gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes that I hope someday we don't need to have, including ladies-only classes and couples classes. Sign up at capegunworks.com today, and maybe, just maybe, we could just have classes on how to teach you how to use your gun safely and efficiently someday. But for now, get those classes. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. 
The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Rapid Fire Radio, and it's time for the Rapid Fire Gun of the Week. Right now, I am showing you a really cool gun. It is the Nighthawk Custom Chairman in 9mm. It's part of their boardroom series, and it is cut for a red dot optic. This has their, their iOS interchangeable optic system. So you loosen that set screw on top, a pin slides out, and the whole back cover slides off. It's got a uh, rear dovetail that has a plate that you mount your optic to and it slides back on, put the pin in and tighten down that set screw. So you can change to whatever optic you want or you can run it with the iron sights and you can go back and forth real easy without losing zero. So you don't have to detach it from the plate. So it's a super cool patented system. But Nighthawk Customs, if you're in the know, makes the world's finest 1911. I know uh, John Moses Browning would be proud of what <laughs> his gun has evolved into. And this one here is in 9mm, like I said, comes with two mags, 10 round, and it's part of the boardroom series, has the uh, gold front sight and the high knee ledge rear sights. Uh, so it's just a beautiful piece of old world craftsmanship mixed with modern technology. And one gunsmith, one gun, lifetime warranty. So you can have this, if you want it, go to rapidfireradio.us and scroll down to Gun of the Week. Click on it and use G-O-W at checkout for a very special incentive which never comes along for Nighthawks. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon on Rapid Fire Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you guys check out that Nighthawk and all the Nighthawks we have in stock. We actually got a brand new Korth five inch uh five and a quarter inch 357 magnum and it's the silver edition you got to check that out go to uh, capegunworks.com and look google nighthawk um but tell us what you think or call or text i know i've ranted a lot here today 508-444-2120 and uh you guys can sound off text us call or leave a message 508-444-2120 and use code GOW for the gun of the week. Go to rapidfireradio.us, click on the gun of the week button and in the banner to get the gun. Uh, and this gun of the week is unique because it's a Nighthawk and we don't discount Nighthawks. So it's only for our special gun of the week listeners and rapidfireradio.us listeners. So a uh, super cool gun. I used to own the six inch chairman. Um, 
And man, did it shoot well. Mine was cut for iOS. And I simply just cannot hold on to a Nighthawk because every time I order one and I get it, somebody wants it and I end up selling it to them because I'm like, I can just order another one for myself and I, I sell it. And I'm like, darn it, now I... But you, you, you should make one of those uh, a priority in your collection. So anyway, uh, KP points out that the Plymouth... Plymouth police chief put out a similar letter to the Ware police chief, and I did see that. That was a great uh, letter. Uh, the Mass State, I'm sorry, the Mass Chief of Police Association put out a 17-page uh, letter uh, opposing HD 4420, which um, puts all law enforcement in an awkward position because you're going to ask them to enforce an unconstitutional law which they have no duty to do according to their oath of office, right? When they swear to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and then you break your oath of office, pass an unconstitutional law, and then lay it at the feet of the police and say, go go enforce this. And I hear a lot of people say, there's no way the police will enforce this. Well, I disagree. I think a lot of them will under the, I'm just doing my job, you know, uh, title. And I have kids to feed. I have mulls to feed. I have an, a pension to get at the end of my 20, 25 years of service. And so I'm not going to put that in jeopardy. So I'm going to do what I'm told. If the chief tells me to go out and round up the guns or tells me to go out and, you know, arrest the guy who let his 14-year-old daughter shoot a gun... Maybe they'll do that. So, I don't know. I'd love to hear your take on it. 508-44, I'm sorry, 444-2120. And if you're a police officer, what would you do? Would you comply with this if your higher-ups are telling you to go out and do the bidding of the oath-breaking Massachusetts legislature? Let us know what you think. 508-444-2120. This is Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. Defense Network. For years, we've been the Internet's leading destination for high-quality information on equipment, training, and your preparation for personal or home defense. Our videos are meant for those who are serious about enhancing their ability to use efficient techniques to survive a dynamic critical incident. But now we've stepped things up even higher. We've added hours of high-quality training videos just for our premium members. This content takes the body of work that is the Personal Defense Network up to an even higher level. Our goal with the Personal Defense Network is simple. Provide you with the highest quality video learning tips that are available. You'll find them inside of the premium membership. All you have to do is choose how to get started, and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome back. What do you think is the most effective way to reach out to representatives about HD 4420? phone call, an email, a social comment, or a letter. Find the poll question on rapidfireradio.us or go to the Rapid Fire Radio Twitter page. Search Rapid Fire Radio, all one word, on Twitter to find us. And this week's discount code is HD4420. The poll results are... Stand by... A phone call is currently at 20%, an email is at 40%, 
social media comment is at 40%. And a letter is still pulling up the rear at 0%. Uh, so make sure you go and vote in our poll. And uh, we will read the results here in next week. So um, Gun Owners Action League, uh, which, by the way, I, I was on their podcast on Monday, and that should be out on Friday. So make sure you get the Gun Owners Action League podcast. Also, there's a fundraising effort right now to earmark uh, the the money that they raise for future Legisl- uh, future court challenges. So it's money well spent. Donate to Gun Owners Action League right now. And they have in highlighting uh, on their website, this is not a false alarm. HD 4420 represents historic bigotry and oppression. Um, that's why they have called it the Lawful Citizen Imprisonment Act. And this is not a drill. This is not a fire drill. This is not a test run. This is not, you know, just to see. It's not a finger to the wind to see where uh, people feel about this. And this is the real deal. This is a, uh, you know, the the house is on fire and, you know, we have to evacuate the premises. And <laughs> no pun intended, the state house had a fire in the basement the other day while they were having their closed door hearings to discuss how they can push this agenda and get more members on board. Um they had to be evacuated out of the state house, and I think that's karma. Uh, but on the other hand, um, the bottom line is don't wait to get what you want to see what happens with this bill. And also, don't comply with this bill if it passes by sending your guns out of state because you're afraid of the ramifications of being put in a government cage at the end of a gun. Um, I say, this is our time and our place. This is our moment to stand up and be counted and be men and women uh, who have that patriot spirit in us from our founders uh, till now and say, we will not comply with your unconstitutional laws. And uh, Gun Owners Action League actually has a really good um, bullet point. They've been keeping this up to date and, uh, if you go to gold.org on their resources page, you'll see there's a markup that was given by the um, Chairman Day's summary. He was he gave this out in probably these closed-door hearings and as a way to uh, mount support for this bill. Um, and Goal comments on the clarification on this. And so you can see how contradictory and how disingenuous and dishonest this is by I'm going to read just a couple of sections. Uh, so the licensing of firearms, which is about 10 different sections that it, it, it figures into. This is what Michael Day's office said is that it consolidates and reorganizes current licensing section into a single unified process with consistent standards and procedures for all firearms licensing, including licenses to sell, remove semi-automatic rifles or shotguns from the newly created long gun permit for 18 to 21-year-olds, now get this, while still preserving their rights to own and possess rifles and shotguns. Unbelievable. So they're acknowledging that 18 to 20-year-olds have rights, but they're just going to alter those rights as they seem fit so that they can only own 
non-semi-automatic rifles and shotguns. They want to increase the penalties for failure to report firearms loss or theft. They want to move dealer inspection responsibilities and oversight to the Massachusetts State Police to ensure uniformity of inspections, clarifies and standardized rule on firearms transport, and to carry and comport with constitutional requirements and allow carry on recreational vehicles. Removes contradictory, yeah, right, confusing, yeah, right, duplicative, yeah, right, and unconstitutional language, yeah, right, from definitions and references, non-resident and temporary licenses, self-defense spray, permits, and exemptions. The truth of the matter is, it is unconscionable that junior shooters would not be allowed to possess or use semi-automatic rifles and shotguns. These types of firearms have been used in junior shooting sports since their invention. They offer much reduced recoil, making it a more comfortable to learn and uh, about and safely use firearms. Number two, why are we increasing penalties for loss or theft? Are the current laws actually being used against suspected criminal activity? Where is the data? And how about increasing the penalties against the people who steal the gun? No, that's not in this bill. That would be a that would be too far. The bill in no way clarifies rules on transport and carry to comport with constitutional requirements. It actually does just the opposite. This bill actually doubles down, or as I say, it is to the tenth power on unconstitutional current laws by adding tremendous volume of new unconstitutional sections of the law. It represents a blatant violation of the Supreme Court decision, Bruin. The truth, Section 31 of the bill, uh, new definition of feeding device, any magazine, belt, strip, drum, or similar device that holds ammunition for a firearm, whether it's fixed or detachable from a firearm. Fixed magazine, an ammunition feeding device contained in or permanently attached to a firearm is such a manner that the device cannot be removed without disassembly of the firearm action. This is an incredibly broad definition that will bring an immense number of devices, perhaps in the millions just in Massachusetts. It even includes fixed magazines. Why would we need to serialize any feeding device, let alone one that is permanently attached? Doesn't make sense. What are you going to serialize the the feed tube on a uh, 22 lever action? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So these are just a couple of the things. But you can look. This is a nine-page document on Goal's website that outlines this. And uh, there's now an informational flyer that you can download on their website and share it out to all your friends. Um, but you can also find your legislators there uh, and and whatnot. And as I mentioned in the first or second segment, I lost track. But um, the the bottom line is, they're trying to use the media as their mouthpiece to say this is really a ghost gun bill. This is a high capacity magazine bill. This is a you know large capacity assault weapons bill, and use all the buzzwords of the day to continually impede and uh, infringe upon your constitutionally protected rights. Um, I gave an interview on, I think it was Saturday, might have been Friday, I can't remember what day it was now, with the Cape Cod Times, and um, what's amazing is it was a half hour, um, yeah, it was a at least a half an hour interview that I gave, and right out of the gate, uh, Graham uh, Crewinghouse, this Cape Cod Times intern, um, 
kind of set the agenda. You could tell where he was coming from. He was coming from ghost guns bad, gun control good, and I'm trying to you know, get your take on this. I've already found out from the police chief that there's been nine ghost guns found on the streets of Barnstable. And my simple follow-up question to that was, okay, the people who were in possession of said ghost guns, quote-unquote, were they repeat offenders by chance? I would like to know. Inquiring minds would like to know. Were those repeat offenders? Did they have a rap sheet? Were they already known to the, were they uh, known associates or were they persons of interest already? Were they part of the Naughty Block gang? Were they part of the, um, all the various gangs that have cropped up? Were they part of a um, known criminal enterprise or known drug dealing uh, group of people? Uh, because maybe we should look at that. Why are these people out on the street in the first place who continually reoffend, who don't care about gun laws, who aren't afraid of going to jail uh, for possession, illegal possession of a firearm because it just so happens they have some fentanyl in their pocket at the time of their arrest, and they're going to be able to plea down the gun charge and just you know do time served or some community service or some fines and uh, get out on the gun on the. Uh, the actual drug dealing charge. So anyway, uh, you know how this article is going to go just from the caption and the title when it says, Tony Leary, who co-founded Cape Gunworks in Hyannis, made this ghost gun from a gun kit sold by Polymer 80. And then the body of the story goes on to say, Tony Leary, who co-founded Cape Gunworks, has a sign out front of the Hyannis store reading, HD 4420 is unconstitutional. Leary would like to see 3D printing of guns made easier, not harder. It's geeky hobbyist stuff that people get together and do for their own enjoyment, Leary said. It's not a nuisance. Uh, I don't remember ever saying it's not a nuisance. I think I said there's nothing nefarious about peaceful citizens wanting to build guns that the government has no knowledge of. But I'll give him that. I don't remember. Maybe I did. Leary has the gun that he built out of a kit sold by the company Polymer 80 without a serial number. If he were to sell it, he said, he'd have to go to the government and get it serialized. Well, only if this bill passed and only if I was willing to comply with said bill that may or may not pass. So it's taken my con- my uh, my words a little out of context there because um, I wouldn't currently have to solicit the government. I would have to serialize it if I wanted to pass it under federal law. But as it is, he legally owns an untraceable homemade gun and wants to own more. Oh, boy. He's experimented with 3D printing and he said... It's harder than people make it out to be. A friend who got a printed receiver to work took 24 hours to print, and Leary said he saw two of the frames just totally disintegrate in his hands. Most of the people are trying to print guns are like him, Leary said. Gun enthusiasts who want to try to make their own at home. And as for crime being committed with ghost guns, Leary believes the focus of law enforcement should be on the criminal, not the weapon. Amen to that, brother. 
whoever gave that interview was thinking in the right mind. All right. That's the end of the first hour, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, the show goes on for another hour. And we have Jason Guida, the premier Second Amendment attorney in Massachusetts, uh, who is going to be joining us. You don't want to miss out on that. Make sure you follow us at rapidfireradio.us. Call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. You can ask Jason questions if you want. Give us a call. Go to rapidfireradio.us and ask your question. Check out our content. Freedom will always be on the right side of history. And we'll be right back with Jason Guida after this. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you work for taken away. Coart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. For quite a long time, duck hunters have been shooting steel, but in the past few years, you've really seen a resurgence of a material called bismuth. And what bismuth is, it's got a density a lot closer to lead than steel, where, where steel's density is right around 7.8 or so, and lead's right around 11 grams per cc. Bismuth comes in about 9.6. So just to kind of lay it out for you, if you've got two objects flying at the same speed, the one that is denser at the same speed is going to hit a lot harder. So a great example is like how we're hunting today. We're out, we're out here on the, we're literally hunting a bay on the ocean. Fantastic spot. But the wind's coming in pretty hard. Normally shooting the size ducks like the Eurasian Wisions and Teals that we're shooting at today, I would probably choose to shoot like a, a number four steel. But because the wind's higher, I would maybe go to a number two because I'd get more energy and let the, let the steel carry further. Bismuth allows you to go one shot size smaller and still hit the bird just as hard as you would. 
Now what that allows you to do, we're shooting a number three shot today. So we're getting all the pellets of a number three load, but we're getting all the energy of a number two steel shot. So it's gonna hit harder. It's really gonna extend your range. Still meets all the lead-free requirements everywhere you are. Just a great product. And you'll definitely notice the power that you hit the birds with. Another thing with the Federal Premium Heavy Bismuth is we're shooting the flight control wad. So you can choke that with any choke you want, whether that's ported or not. Getting incredibly tight patterns. Again, more pellets on the bird, just hits them hard. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all the social media platforms that you visit. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. And I'm really happy to have with us on the line for the next hour, uh, Jason Guida. And you heard it here first, folks, the premier Second Amendment attorney in Massachusetts. There might need to be an arm wrestling competition to, to actually determine that for sure. But either way, uh, he's a frequent guest on this show and he's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this state when it comes to Second Amendment law and how it's applied and whatnot. So um, he's the guy that will help keep you out of jail if you need his services. And off the air, I was telling him that I might need to put him on retainer because I've already gone public with the fact that I will not be complying with this law. So, uh, Jason, thanks for coming in today. How are you? I'm good, Toby. It looks like I got to get back to the gym a little bit more if I'm having a non-wrestling competition, but I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, we could have between you, Keith Langer. Uh, Andrew Kucha, Andrew, William yeah. Smith, you guys could all have attorney of champions. We could. That's right. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm still young, man. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, so in all seriousness, there's a 800 pound gorilla, you know, in the room, and uh, or whatever cliche you want to talk about the anvil over your head or the piano ready to fall 20 stories on you as you walk out your front door. In the name of yeah, in the name of HD forty four twenty, whatever the bill will ultimately be called once it's actually moved from the docket through committee mm -hmm. and to the floor. But um, we've been talking uh, actually the last three weeks about this. Just the whole rapid fire show has been dedicated to it, and um, I you know I get the calls every day. Uh, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and the state house has these closed door hearings that I guess in the beginning of this week, whether it was to muster support amongst the members or figure out where they go from here or what they got to carve out to get law enforcement back on their side. And, you know, I don't know if you have any uh, knowledge about any of that and what what's sure. com coming down the pipeline. So um, yeah, the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, no. So you you may know, and before I had gray hair like I do, I worked in the Senate Public Safety Committee. So I have a good amount of insight on kind of how things work, certainly. And then I do have, uh, you know, people that I still talk to and, and some of the information that I'm getting. So I think first and foremost, um, there is, uh, you may be aware, the bill is kind of held up right now. 
Um, the House has referred it to the Judiciary Committee. The Senate has referred it to the Public Safety Committee. Those are completely different committees. Mm. So both the House and the Senate need to get together and decide and agree what committee is this bill going to go to. What I'm being told is that the reason the Senate didn't agree with the House has really nothing to do with the merits of the bill. It has more to do with some kind of territorial disputes, uh, issues with regard to respecting the senators when the House was doing this, you know, kind of cockamamie listening tour um, throughout the state. Um, And that probably will get ironed out. There's probably going to be some horse trading. The Senate will get something and the House will get something. I, I think it's reasonable to expect that this may end up in the judiciary where uh, the chairman of that committee is also the lead sponsor of this bill. Really? Uh, you think So you think ultimately that's where it'll land? I, I don't see the, the Senate dying on that hill. It's not something, quite frankly, you know, when I was there 20 years ago, and you and I talked about this, you know, when I ran for office a couple of years ago, you know, there were a good contingent of senators, particularly, who were very two-way friendly, Senator Moore, Senator Hedlund, uh, and a few others that were very much, uh, Morrissey, who's now a DA, were very much two-way sensitive and friendly. And those guys are all gone. Um, and the large amount of senators at this point are going to be gun control uh, advocates, if mm. you will. Um, you know, and I certainly, I mean, we saw it last year when, uh, you know, that legislation kind of slid through those amendments that slid through that kind of added the EPRO to the prohibited person statute um, and added being unsuitable as being prohibited. There wasn't really a whole lot of conversation and that stuff slid through like butter. So, um I don't see the Senate preventing, again, it's not substantive. I don't think the Senate cares that people don't like this bill. I think the Senate just cares about getting their pound of flesh for something else. Yeah, it's kind of funny, and that's what I've been saying ever since the news broke of the little hiccup that they've had where they're arguing about where ultimately what committee it should be in. But Mm -hmm. I've I've said it's a speed bump. It's like Mm -hmm. this is is nothing – that we should be like hanging our hat on. It's because yeah, no, Karen celebrated. Yeah, yeah, Karen Splanka there, Splinka, Spilka. Sorry, yeah. I always screw up her name, and I don't do that intentionally. Although it sounds like I do, um, is very committed to gun control, and uh, and then we have Cynthia Cream, uh, who is you know the perennial perennial uh, legislator, senator that in, introduces, you know, everything from entire bans on handgun ownership to mm-hmm. rifle ownership every year. Mm-hmm. She's a perennial introducer of a gun bill into the Senate. And so mm-hmm. uh, this is merely a little speed bump that they're going to work it out. They're going to iron it out and it'll end mm-hmm. up in public safety. Or like you said, it'll end up in house judiciary committee because it's mm-hmm. Michael Day's baby. And, um, Regardless, we need to be ready and active right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been told that there's been pushback in areas that they didn't expect pushback in, which mm-hmm. is good news. And uh, also that they're re- receiving an overwhelming amount of calls and emails. And, you know, uh, so that 
if we keep the pressure on, maybe it'll at least make them second guess themselves. <laughs> for, yeah. And you, you know what? Part of me would like to be optimistic in the fact that bills like this do get introduced every year, like I just mentioned by Cynthia Cream and the David Paulinskis of the world, and usually die in committee or die in you know uh, some sort of committee and never really make it out to the House floor vote. So this one took all the last 10 years of all those little bills that die in committee every year and made it into one giant omnibus bill. And part of me is saying, well, hopefully this will just die in committee like all the rest of them will. But the fact that Ron Mariano kind of put Michael Day up to this task leads me to believe this one's the real deal and it's here to stay. I don't know if you have any... Well, exactly that point. Um, the Again, the rumors I'm hearing is that this is kind of Mariano's baby, the Speaker of the House's baby. That means that it has legs. Um, additionally, the fact that they did that listening toward, I'm using air quotes that your listeners can't see, but that is a, a traditional strategy um, to say that we, you know, use it as cover and say we went around the state and we listened to our constituents and they really want us to do something about guns. And that's why we did it. And we've already listened. We've already we thought about all this. We this bill was written long before that first meeting that they had, I think, in your area. Right. Mm, the first yeah. one was down the Cape. It was, um, yep. you know, and that this bill was written long before that. Yeah. And they knew it, and they used that listening towards cover. And I knew it was coming. I did, you know, and I think we talked about it a while ago. This is coming. Yeah. Um, there's one point, and I don't know when we have to break this. One thing I really want to point out, and I think it's important. Um, I think another strategy that they're using is what I kind of call the poison pill strategy. They're kind of playing chess when we might be playing checkers. And this point is important. The big issue that everyone's screaming about, is the prohibited places part of this this language, right? Mm -hmm. You can't carry a gun in a place unless they say it's okay. This is what the police chiefs, you said that, you know, areas of resistance, police chiefs are coming out against that point, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I think they know there's a problem with that point. And what they can do, and I say they, they, you know, those who are sponsoring this bill, what they, they did that possibly with the intent to say, oh, maybe you guys are right. Yeah, we're listening to you. We'll take that out, and then everything's okay. That's what they're trying to do. Look over here. Focus entirely on this. All our efforts, that prohibited, we can't have that. No, no, no. Then they can say, oh, we gave you something. We gave gave that piece up. And in the meantime, you're going to have you know, a complete ban on large cap mags. You're going to have the ban on ghost guns. And most importantly, are the, the, you know, lowers and things like that. But more importantly, you're going to have what I think is the biggest problem here is the complete ban and the adoption of the, the copies and duplicates ban and a complete ban on what we've considered to be mass compliant AR type weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, on the day that is signed, you know, you know, Goal always says this, oh, we're going to make you criminal. The legislature is going to make you criminals. No, they really are. Yeah. On the day this bill is signed, tens of thousands of people in Massachusetts are suddenly going to be felons. Right. And, it, and it, it, you know, there's no grandfather clause. Even the AG in her enforcement notice in 2016 said, look, we realized that there was, you know, this this idea that this was OK. We're not going to enforce 
you know, retroactively. It's just prospectively. Mm-hmm. This is retroactive. Right. This is serious. So don't ignore that when, when listeners are calling, don't ignore that piece like that, that the, the, you know, mass compliant weapons, those, those are the biggest prevalent thing. This prohibited places, you know, this is being done in New York, New Jersey. It's hitting roadblocks under Bruin. Right. New York and New Jersey are going to get whacked, you know, in, in federal court. And if federal court, if, if the districts don't do it, I bet you the Supreme Court will. They know that this is not likely to be constitutional. They know that. Right. So they're, they're like saying, oh, we're going to do it and then we'll take it away and we're giving you what you want. Don't ignore the rest of the bill. Yeah, no, you you bring up a great point, and I, you know, a lot of people are asking me that question, like, what do I do with my guns if if this passes? Are they going to come for my guns? I've had people literally in panic mode saying, yeah. "Oh my gosh, they're going to come for my guns." Now, I don't think that's actually going to happen. I don't think they're going to stack up at you know over six hundred thousand gun owners homes <laughs> in the early morning hours and start no. doing performing no knock warrants, uh, but. The bottom line is the fact that threat exists is there, and that's they're having that psychological effect on people. And whether or not this ends up in the final version of the bill or not is irrelevant to me because the fact of the matter is there. I think it's a bill that, like you said, was written months ago and before this listening tour even started. You can tell by the that this bill wasn't drafted in the last couple of weeks from you know, when the listening tour ended sure. and if they, it sounds to me like they said to maybe moms demand action or every town or whatever, mm-hmm. fill in the blank and said, all right, give me your top 20 all time list of wants. And, yep. and then they consolidated them all and put it there and they're sticking all their chips into the middle and saying, here it is, folks, this is what we want. And knowing full well that, some of it's going to get pared back. And if they end up with even 20 or 30% of what the original bill was, it's a massive, yep. massive change from what our laws are now. Yep. And the implications of that affect every gun owner in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. whether you own a large capacity semi-automatic rifle or not, it's going to affect you. And so at that point, I say... Don't even try. What the heck? I know, you know, I'm no lawyer and I'm not giving legal advice and I'm speaking more for myself than anyone. But we've been complying with what I consider unconstitutional laws for far too long. And now all of a sudden we're going to just continue to go along with this? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, frankly, it's, it's a time where we got to say no, enough is enough. And if we could all band together and say, all right, you got 600 dealers and 600,000 gun owners, uh, what are you going to do f- with our mass noncompliance? Uh, how about you get your laws right and get, get the ones that are targeting me, the peaceful, responsible gun owner of Massachusetts, off your books and start targeting the psycho, evil, you know, person who's trying to kill people or career criminals? But, yeah, I, I guess my counter to that is that's too hard. It's much easier to get the rest of us who have registered our firearms through the Firearms Records Bureau and now have, you know, if this bill passes, now have non-compliant ARs that are copies and duplicates. Like, all they have to do is a record search and knock on your door. Now, you're right. Do I think that they have the resources to do that? 
No, you know, they don't. But how my guys, my clients get bagged is something happens at the house, right? Right. Like, you know, you you, you have a bad night, you get in an argument, you, you know, you have a few too many. Police come to your house, the first thing they're doing, where are your guns? The second thing they're doing is, oh, this is an assault weapon under the copy and duplicate ban, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's the problem. Right. Now, obviously, um, there'll be challenges to this, but that, in my opinion, is uh, a long way off. And the bill right now has language that I see would effectively put about 600 people out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, because how am I going to get guns into the state if UPS and FedEx can't deliver them? And, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention all the other nuance around it and the new regulations and the uh, that they're putting on gun stores and, and requirements and serialization of magazines and links mm-hmm. and belts and clips and <laughs> even a fixed mag is required to be serialized and under this definition. So uh, it sounds... Like, um, if it doesn't ultimately put you out of business, it will so impede your business in the temporary because no one's going to be able to ship guns in here that, you know, how, how are we going to survive? And mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the plan. Obviously, mm-hmm. they didn't have a problem with Smith & Wesson leaving the state. But, mm-hmm. but um, how are we going to survive if we tried even to comply with any of this? Uh, I don't see how we could. And mm-hmm. how does that not violate interstate commerce law? I mean, that could be part of any sort of injunction, but most of our case law has allowed states to regulate, um, at least internally, and their argument will be we're regulating internally. We're regulating our dealers. We're regulating what can be transferred, what can be uh, obtained, what can be um, you know, transferred across you know, from the dealer to the consumer. Um, that's going to be the argument. And quite frankly, it may ring true with the courts in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really takes a lot to really say they're impeding interstate commerce necessarily. Um, it, it, that's a significant, it needs to be a pretty significant, um, you know, example is, um, you know, the recent case that came from the Supreme Court regarding um, I think it was the making of a of a wedding cake uh, for a same sex couple, and part, that was part of the argument. And the courts said no; it, you know, they're allowed to do this under the First Amendment. You know, right. so I, I think you're going to have a hard time with the interstate commerce argument. I think you're going to have a better, at least in some of it, a better argument with Bruin, at least with the goal of getting a split circuit so that the Supreme Court can give us more guidance. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that we're waiting on, right? What is the Supreme Court going to do post-Bruin? What are they going to do on this restraining order case that they're looking at now? What are they going to do with these assault weapon ban cases that are, there's already splits on that stuff, right? Um, You know, how are they going to further clarify what the hell it means for you know, historical analogs, which historical analogs matter and what don't. Yeah, and I, I think it was Oregon just upheld, <laughs> a federal yeah. court just upheld uh, the assault weapons ban and magazine capacity ban, basically mm-hmm. saying it's consistent with our text, history, and tradition. 
Right. I, I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. How, how is it consistent? What Where in the Constitution's text, history, and tradition did they regulate such things as, as specific well, firearms or magazine capacity or a- anything it, like it? it? If you're a nerd like me and you take the time to read these decisions that are coming out, you will see that the judges are picking and plucking the, the history that they want on both sides, right? Like decisions that are, are two-way friendly and decisions that are not. Um, there was one case, I think it was out of the Third Circuit, where they were looking at laws that uh, disarmed Catholics who refused to swear allegiance to the Protestant church. And they said, well, there's an example of failing to comply with our laws, which allows for disarmament. So therefore... Uh, this this statute is constitutional. I mean that that's the analysis um, that courts can do under this kind of wide, you know, this this big blanket that Bruin created. So we need to narrow this down, and we we're only going to narrow this down when the Supreme Court does it, because sh- certainly not in the First Circuit, we're not going to get a whole lot of narrowing um, in the First Circuit, right. at least two way friendly narrowing. Sure. Uh, Let me ask you a question. This is something I've been stewing on for a while. But from a very pedestrian level of law, from a guy who graduated technical high school in the carpentry program, (laughs) this is my analysis. Uh, We have something called the Constitution, right? Mm -hmm. Second Amendment is part of the Bill of Rights. It's very clear in my mind about what that means. And then we have... Uh, officials that are sworn to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And then they go into the state house and they introduce a bill like this, and then they vote on it. <clears throat> In my opinion, they are breaking their oath of office by even introducing it, and number two, by voting on it. And they're actually committing malfeasance, in my opinion, in the process, they are not expressing fidelity to the people who elected them to the oath of off to their office, and they are violating their oath to protect said oath of office. How is it that there's never any challenge to uh, holding the people that are sworn to uphold our constitution when they violate it in in such a egregious way? Well, there is. It's called voting. Unfortunately, yeah. so there's the separation of powers. You have the legislature, you have the judiciary, and you have the executive branch. And if you feel as though your legislator is not upholding his or her oath, you have the option of not voting for them. But this is the problem, right? These individuals get voted in time and time again. I mean, I'll give you a good example. In the city of Newton, um, they recently passed an ordinance about a year or two, a year and a half ago, that essentially bans gun dealers in the city of Newton. And during the, if you read the minutes of the city council hearing, their own attorney is telling them that this is a problem, you can't do this. And the city councilors are telling the attorney to shut up, that they don't care, that it doesn't matter. Let them challenge us, is their position. That is the mentality here. Their, Their thought is, look, we're the legislature. We'll do whatever we want. It's hubris, right? We'll do right. whatever we want. 
courts want to overturn it, fine, it's on the courts, but it's not us. We're doing what our our constituents want. You know why they think that the, that's what their constituents want? Because they keep getting voted into office. Right. So they must be doing something right. Yeah. And so if a police officer does that, he loses his qualified immunity. Right. If he breaks his oath of office and violates your constitutionally protected right in the performance of his official duties, he technically violates. He loses his qualified immunity. He's no longer under the protection of that. And why are legislators not under that same? uh, Why are they not able to be sued individually when they violate their oath of office and commit malfeasance in the performance of their duties. Well, again, I don't think it's as clear cut, right? It's not as though the legislator is taking a billy club and cracking you over the skull with it. What the legislator is saying is, well, I mean, this is open to interpretation. The second amendment is open to interpretation. Yeah. We've read Bruin, but we don't feel like this language violates Bruin. We're saying you can carry firearms. You just can't carry them in most places, but you can carry them. That's what they're saying, right? So it's not as clear cut as a vi- I know it's it's offensive. I understand that the bill's offensive. I get it, but it's not as clear cut. I mean, it, it it nothing is that clear cut, right? But certainly not this. And again, you know, the remedy that the courts are going to say is, you don't like it, vote them out of office. Mm. And that's really the problem at the end of the day is that you know the Second Amendment community is not properly mobilized when it comes to you know, comes to elections and, quite frankly, electability, um, because oftentimes the gun, the, you know, the firearms community often backs people that are not otherwise electable to the general population, at least in their district. The key is is to find somebody who is electable but also friendly to Second Amendment rights. And they used to exist. I mean, there were legislators in this state. When I worked there, again, they exist. I mean, if you, the now District Attorney Morrissey, very intelligent, very smart guy, obviously electable and 2A friendly mm. and a Democrat. Unicorns exist is what you're telling me? <laughs> they do. You got to look real hard <laughs> and they're dying off. They're an ex- becoming extinct. So you do need to find them. We are here with Jason Guida on Rapid Fire, a 2A talk show. You can give us a call if you have a question for Jason, 508-444-2120. Don't go away. We got a lot more to talk about. More after this break with Jason Guida. I'm Toby Leary and this is Rapid Fire. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. 
Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. We're here with Jason Gaida, a attorney who specializes in Second Amendment law here in Massachusetts. We're having a fascinating conversation about the pending omnibus gun gunpocalypse 2023 bill, whatever you want to call it, HD 4420, and uh, getting into the weeds a little bit about the nuance of it and whatnot. And uh, Jason, thanks so much for coming on. If you want to be on the phone with him, 508-444-2120 is the, is the phone number. And obviously, you make a living at you know defending people against these laws every day, and you know this is what you do. Um, obviously, a bill like this is job security for the next twenty years for you. But on the other hand, um, it's what what you you feel the most egregious. What do you feel is the most offensive overstep of this bill? Um, you think it's the semi-automatic weapons ban or or is it uh the fact that there's no um look back period you already mentioned that but is that what you feel is the most offensive part of this bill well first of all i don't know if it's job security if most of my clients are telling me they're just going to move to new hampshire so that doesn't really help me um but (laughs) you know more importantly um yeah i mean look i the the prohibited spaces piece is in borderline insane, right? So, you know, saying, and I realize I'm kind of contradicting myself because I'm saying, please don't completely focus on that piece Um, because I do think it's a poison pill. They're doing that on purpose and then they're going to cure us Mm -hmm. by taking away that poison, right? Right. Yeah. But that piece in and of itself, and particularly where you had New Jersey where an injunction was allowed and then it was vacated by the circuit court, um, if that goes into law, it gives the right of arrest immediately. You know, you, you're a business owner. You're taking a cash deposit to, you know, Citibank, right? You walk into the bank, a cops, you know, you, cop sees, uh, you know, that you're printing and suddenly you're in handcuffs. Like that is what that statute would allow. Mm. You're an off-duty cop. You know, this is what the police are complaining about. It's not even clear that off-duty cops could carry, Right. Um, that's crazy town. Right. Right. And it's clearly, clearly, you know, and, you know, and I'm generally pretty, you know, I'm Eeyore when I talk about federal courts, right. I'm like, you know, gloom and doom, you, you know, you, right. when I'm off the, off the radio with you, you're like, you know, you, you call the suicide hotline, but <laughs> I, 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 uh, you know, I do feel very strongly that this type of language is not going to withstand a boon challenge. Um, so I do think that's the most egregious and obnoxious piece of this bill. Um, but I really am in fear of the copies and duplicates language because I do think, you know, the assault weapons ban is a felony. It is superior court only jurisdiction. And I have seen in the last year district attorneys taking these cases far more seriously than they did even a year or two ago. It's gotten on the radar. Guys with large cap mags that are buying them, you know, I call them bona fide purchasers. They're going to certain firearms dealers who are saying, oh, yeah, these are, these are, 
you know, pre-ban, absolutely. And they're handing them brand new, you know, you know, PMAGs in pl- that are still in the plastic wrap. Right. And my clients are buying these and then getting caught. Right. Before the DAs would be like, would dismiss it. Yeah. They'd say, yeah, no big deal. Now the DAs are having, a, they're reviewing them at in superior court. And so that's scary to me. And it's scary to me that you're going to take people since 1994 have been buying mass compliant ARs and you're going to criminalize all of those people. Right. And they're going to, it's going to happen. They're going to get caught. Yeah. So you bring up a good point and that is um, obviously the, the threat of this is serious to people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that is the way they've complied with, well, not complied. That's the way they've enforced this is when they're jammed up on something else. They get called to the house. They get, mm-hmm. you know, a neighbor says they're a risk to them or yelled mm-hmm. at them or threw a Frisbee over the fence or the something. Restraining stu- order. Yeah, right? whatever it is. With a girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is how they uh, are going to continue to enforce it. However, um, the, you know, the way I see this is no one will be able to comply with it overnight. You know what I mean? This is not something, you know, like you said, there's no uh, grandfather ability in that, which mm-hmm. I think is also, isn't that like where ex post facto law comes in? Or, I mean, <laughs> how do you say you bought it legally yesterday, today it's illegal, and now you're a felon? Like, right. how does that happen? But, um, I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, the legislature can do what they want because there's never anything that can... Uh, no one says otherwise. Right, right. Yeah, that's the problem. No one slows them down or stops them. Yeah. Right? And um, they're playing with house money, too. Like, you know, they the problem with the fact that they don't, there isn't this loss of qualified immunity where they can be sued for malfeasance in their job, it proves that they can continually do it. They're playing with house money and you don't like it, sue us. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's not a good represent, representative government. They're just doing what they want and... You suffer the consequences. Damn the torpedoes, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I just don't get it. But one of the things on this bill that is very interesting, and it's been gnawing at my cranium, is the fact that they admit that Maura Healy's edict was her opinion. Right, right in the bill. They say we're right. taking Maura Healy, the Attorney General's opinion, and right. now making it law. Right. So well, the, so since 2016, we yeah. have complied with an opinion of the Attorney mm-hmm. General, and now yeah. they're saying, but we're going to make it law. The whole time, they've threatened us with, you know, $10,000 fine and, and uh, uh, prosecution and lack of re- license renewal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if we don't comply with Maura Healy's opinion. Right. And... Uh, I don't. Th- I think that's very telling, and I don't know if you have clients that have been, quote unquote, jammed up by lack of compliance with Maura Healy's opinion, but I have not really seen that. I feel like they haven't challenged her opinion in a court of law, to my knowledge. But yet, we've all lived under the threat of that. Right. Correct. Which was the point. Right. Which was the point. So to my knowledge, and, you know, if you recall, there was that big investigation the Globe did and all that stuff. 
there, and I believe the Attorney General's office acknowledged to the Boston Globe that they, to their knowledge, they had not prosecuted anyone under their enforcement notice. So you're right. When you say the point of that was, it's the chilling effect, right? It's the idea that we could do it, so you better not, right? It's kind of, it's Santa, right? If you're, if you're bad, you're going to get coal in, in your stocking. And so... No one ever get. I mean, most people. I hope you didn't get coal in your stocking, Toby. But most of us, even when we were bad, we still got presents on Christmas. That's the thing: is the threat of that coal is what the idea was to keep people in compliance. This turns it from threat to reality. Yeah. So, but what does that say for the for the like last seven years of everybody who's jumped through hoops to mm-hmm. try to comply? with an opinion of an attorney general under threat of arrest at gunpoint and Mm -hmm. put into government cages uh, and fined out of their life savings Mm -hmm. that, oh, that was just someone's opinion. Well, so the word opinion, so the attorney general has the ability to issue legal opinions and that's part of her authority. And so when I think you know, we can use the word opinion differently. You're using it as like, it's just someone's thoughts and ideas. I think what they're saying is it's her legal authority opinion, right? They have different meanings. Like there are actual attorney general opinions, which have been cited in cases throughout, you know, throughout Massachusetts case law. So she does have the ability to issue opinions. She has the ability to issue enforcement notice, and that's what she did. I understand that it's never been enforced properly or ever. You're absolutely right. The chilling effect was there. And that was the purpose. That was the idea. They're playing chess, Toby. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're holding signs in front of the state house while they go in the back door. Right. You know, we're, you know, sending money to organizations every time they, you know, they say, oh, be scared. Send us money. But we're not voting them out of office, right? You know, and we're not donating to directly to the candidates that need the money to over, you know, to, to beat these incumbents, right? That's where we're losing. They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. Well, the problem is there's 10% of the population of Massachusetts are gun owners. We're already a massive minority, right? Yeah. And the other... Uh, fact of the matter is that uh, 135 to 25 in the House of Representatives right now. And you're mm-hmm. right. Maybe, uh, maybe, um, <laughs> what? maybe they're uh, more that maybe the state really is 90, 10, blue, red. I don't know. But for me, a civil right is not a partisan issue. It's, it's a American birthright. It's a, protection under the constitution and we we sit here and say oh yeah let's regulate this and regulate that all the while we would never tolerate any other amendment being treated the same way we would never ever in fact i was interviewed for an article on uh saturday from the cape cod times this kid was a intern for the cape cod times a Georgetown University journalist student, journalism student. And I asked him, I said, if, you know, 
you, if the government came to you and said you have to take a class to be a journalist that is government mandated, it's four hours, it's going to cost you 124 bucks, <laughs> and you're going to have to pay to take the class. It's going to, you're going to be told what you can and can't write about in this class and when you can and can't write about it. And you can't do anything in the writing sphere until you submit that certificate you're going to get at the end of this class to your local police chief, give them another 100 bucks, get fingerprinted, photographed, background checked, sent off to the state, get Corey checked, and uh, put down references, put down a reason why you want to write articles, and wait one to three months for said license to come back. And when it comes back, then you can write an article. And you only can write articles for the next five years because if it expires, you can't write it anymore until you renew it, and then it's good for another five years. Uh, would you be okay with that? He goes, well, now that you put it like that, no, I wouldn't. All right, so why are you okay with that when it comes to my Second Amendment or to your Second Amendment? Because even though you don't believe the way I do, you are protected under the right to keep and bear arms. And I don't see why that is such a hard thing for people to see. that We make this giant leap of logic because it's guns, and we would never tolerate our Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, First Amendment, you know, Fourteenth Amendment, any of the amendments being treated that way. But because it's guns, we do. And you know, uh, I don't. And it's the one right that says shall not be infringed. But we all collectively lose our brains over that, you know, and 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 go ahead and infringe it more than any other right. I know. I just ranted. That was well, really a and, question. and I don't know if I want if I should respond. I think the I mean I'll be honest. The, you know, I'll be the devil's I'll be the bad guy here. The reason is is because very few people died from a newspaper article, right? And so that's why the courts and the legislature have more ability to regulate. But they don't have the ability more. to. They have done it right, because right. people could potentially die. But we don't do the same thing with any other any other item in society, even those that right, are... because books don't kill people. Well, right? knives do. Cars do. We regulate knives. We regulate cars. But we don't ban them. We don't we ever don't... wake up in the morning to a front page article that says, a drunk driver wiped out a family of five on Main Street, USA last night. No more cars. Two, how many more, Mr. Speaker? There's, you know, too many people die a year on our roadways. In fact, it's the number one killer, you know, of people is our roadways in America by car, via car. And we never wake up to articles of people advocating no more cars or one car a year, one car every 10 years, or you can't have a car that goes over 60 miles an hour. We don't, that doesn't happen. Now, maybe I'm giving them some good ideas, but the bottom line is, all of a sudden, we jump the shark. And I'll even make the argument that cars are more dangerous than guns because you don't need uh, a license. You don't need to pass a background check. And any psycho can walk into an uh, enterprise rent-a-car, U-Haul, uh, rent-a-truck, and get a vehicle and drive into a crowd and kill people with great efficiency, right? Sure. So call the Cape Cod Times and let them know that Toby Leary wants all cars banned. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, no, I mean, if you're putting, making me the bad cop, by the way, listeners, we didn't plan this out, good cop, bad cop, for good radio here. Um, 
But again, if I'm playing the, if I'm them, right, and I'm sitting and, and advocating for this, I'm saying this isn't banning all guns. You can still carry guns. And maybe, you know, a six-shot revolver from, you know, 1850, but you can carry one. Sure, you're fine. Your rights are being exercised. That's the thought, right? That's the, that you're, you're looking at it from one perspective. Get in their mind, right? When you play chess across the table, you're trying to figure out what their next moves are going to be. You can't do that unless you get in their mind. You got to get in their mind, right? And you made a very good point earlier, and, and I'm going to call you out on it. You said it's not a partisan issue. But then you talked about, you know, the, the what is it, 130 to 35 or whatever that is. 135 to 25. Right? Because, you know, you're, you're only voting on the red, on the R's, right? You got to get some D's that are 2A friendly. That's what Morrissey was, right? Those are guys that, you know, you may not align with them on all issues, but if this is your issue, you know, people who go into polls, oftentimes, you know, they, they're just voting D down the line in this state, right? Or maybe they're just voting R down the line. But if you, there's more people voting D down the line, especially the independents, maybe you need a D that's 2A friendly in your district or wherever you live. It's either that or we all going to move to the same town. Which won't work because, you know, that's what's happening. hundred and I think 150,000 people have left, left the state in the past couple of sure. years. And when they get there, guess what? Yeah, Massachusetts gets turned over to the antis. And now there's people that retire to your state and want to make it Massachusetts. It's yeah, coming. New Hampshire. Yeah, it's coming to a city near you. Look at Vermont, who was the constitutional capital of the world forever with literally no gun laws. For a while there, they had no laws except for one. You can't own suppressors. Mm -hmm. And then they've reversed on the suppressor thing, but now they've started to add on magazine capacity and assault Mm -hmm. weapons ban and stuff like that, which in in that state, it's a solution in search of a problem because they don't just have the crime. And that's the other thing is like laws... The, under the Constitution are supposed to have a, demonst- a demonstrable need and be uh, consistent with the Constitution. I, you know, half these laws, especially all of this Michael Day stuff, is solutions in search of problems, like banning a Barrett 50 cal. You can't probably point to one crime that has been committed in this state with that gun. How many people you know can carry one right. far enough to actually shoot it? Yeah. Right. So... <laughs> So, okay, uh, you can't point to one crime that's been committed with that gun, but yet we're going to ban them. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. that's illegal, in my opinion. I know, yep. again, um, my law degree is is as good as uh, it's, it's worth what I paid for it, but um, I'm sorry to be such a pedestrian on it and say, like, the Second Amendment or the, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land and everything else is playing uh you know wannabe same thing with the courts the supreme court is the supreme court and everything else is an inferior court and you know if they uh, part of the thing that gets me so riled up about this is i maintain that um they say they use the excuse that they need to get in line with bruin that some of our laws are unconstitutional and they, they didn't double down. They didn't triple down. They didn't quadruple down. This is like 
are unconstitutional laws to the 10th power, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how am I wrong? No, so the fact that this is about messaging, right? This is about, you know, the word assault weapon. This is about, uh, you know, gun safety legislation, which is what the Globe called it today, mm-hmm. right? This is all about messaging. And quite frankly, I, and I hate to say it, legislators in that house have not read Bruin. They haven't read our gun laws. And they're listening to the chair of the judiciary, a very powerful position, who's saying, oh, yeah, we need to do this because we're in violation of the Supreme Court decision. That is complete, completely disingenuous, um, which is a nice way of saying lying, right? They're lying. That is a lie. There's nothing worse than hubris and lying. Right. That's what's happening. There's nothing in our laws right now being changed by this bill that then gets it in compliance with Bruin. Right. Right. Suitability is still there. Right. Right. Um, Licensing is still there. The assault weapons ban is still there. All of these things are still there. And then some. Right. They're not doing anything that's making it more Bruin compliant. Right. But they have no problem saying that. Yeah. Lying is bad. And people shouldn't do it, particularly our elected officials. Right. And I know we're uh, running short. I don't necessarily want to sidetrack this conversation. However, what you just said, uh, I mentioned this uh, last week, that one of the constitutional amendments that the mass legislature is looking at uh, is, and it's overwhelmingly supported by the legislature, is changing the oath of office. And they want to change the word swear which, you know, swear to uphold, to affirm. Words have meaning. Uh, They Mm -hmm. want to change from swear to affirm. They want to take out, so help me God, and put in under the pains and penalty of perjury. Mm. And because these politicians lie for a living and know that it's probably laughable to put in the words pains and penalty of perjury because they know there's no pain and there's no penalties to them perjuring themselves on a daily basis in the commission of their official duties as, sw- well, sorry, I almost said sworn, as affirmed. affirmed. You know, it, it, I find that incredibly telling that they mm. would want to, and affirm definitely doesn't carry the weight that swear does, right? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. in, the, in the dictionary or the definitions. Yeah, I mean, it's silly, right? But um, you're right. They lie, and they they lied when they said they were doing a listening tour, and they they lied uh, by saying there was no agenda here and there was nothing on the table. Yep. And here it is. And they had no problem doing it either. Yeah. They did it with a straight face and a smile. Yeah. And, you know, it's the Alinsky rules for radicals. It's the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. And they feel guns bad because they say so. And, um, you know. And also people who like guns are bad. Yeah. They they feel that deeply. Right. um, That people who like guns are bad people. Yeah. You know, goals tried to really, over the years, tried to introduce legislators to guns, right? right? And to show what it really is. It's it just doesn't seem to be taking, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, unbelievable that this could happen in the state that the country 
uh, was freedom was founded on, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I say that that Michael Day should wear a wig and call himself King George the Third because he is trying to finish the job that he started over a couple hundred years ago when he sent the the regulars to go get the uh, the colonists guns, powder, shot, and muskets, which were, by the way, ghost guns. Mm-hmm. Unregistered. Yeah, unregistered, yeah. unserialized. Yeah. <laughs> Government had no knowledge of what it was that they had and when yeah. they bought it and who they bought it from or if they made it in their forage or in their garage or in their mill. Yeah. And guess what? They got shot in the face. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's unbelievable to me that people would go along with their rights being trampled upon so uh, blatantly in violation of the Constitution. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope that people will stand up and say this is a time to be counted, not a time to hide, not a time to bury the guns in the backyard, not a time to say they were all lost in a boating accident. This is a time for, in my opinion, civil disobedience and say we will not comply. And by the way, retroactively, you want to talk about retroactivity, I'm not complying with the garbage I've been complying with too. And, you know, does that we'll see where this all shakes out but uh that to me is is the and maybe that'll bring you drum up some business for you Jason. right i'm gonna say it's the, not, a, not on the advice of counsel right but, but nonetheless uh, <laughs> but i'm you know if i if it means and that was the first thing john green from gun owners action league asked me when i told him that he said are you willing to be arrested in your shop and i said heck yeah i am under this absolutely this is this is way too far it is number one it's going to put me out of business so i complied for years and we've had conversations about this that compliance was more important than being right on the issue because Mm -hmm. at least i'm here and we're in the fight well the way i see it from this bill is i'm out of the fight either way because they're Mm going to put me out of business or I'm not going to comply and potentially be arrested and put out of business for being a felon and whatever else mm-hmm. they want to call me. But the bottom line is the only way to start a movement is have one idiot dancing on the hill. And if if that's me, You're and be the idiot. I'm the idiot dancing on the hill. <laughs> and maybe some others will join me. And hopefully some others will join me. And uh, hopefully you'll join me, Jason. But uh, Jason, how can people find you if they need your services because they joined the idiot dancing on the hill? Of course, I got a website. It's uh, www.lawguida.com. That's lawguida.com. 2A at lawguida.com is the email address. And 617-383-4652. Happy to take your calls. It's an emergency line if you ever get arrested in the middle of the night. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for your input, your great knowledge, and the fact that you're willing to help us gun owners here in Massachusetts. Keep up the good work, and thanks for coming nice on. Thank you, for, yeah, thank, thank you for you. tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call the, or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Keep up the good fight. Support your local community. Be an advocate for responsible gun ownership. Join the idiot on the hill dancing and together as americans we can overcome anything i'm toby leary god bless we'll see you next week on rapid fire